0: Hello. What have we here? Welcome. I'm Lando Calrissian. I'm the administrator of this facility. And who might you be? How you doing, you old pirate? Hello. What have we here? Welcome to a episode of Lando's lounge is it that time already it is the halloween special <laughs> our first special okay. that i think we've ever done um we've teased this a little bit on time at least the first halloween one we've done i think we might have done like mm-hmm I don't remember. The early, early think, days we made I think have... we've done, like, Christmas specials, like, <laughs> three weeks after sure, Christmas. Sure, sure, we did. Um, That's the most Lando's Lounge thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so we've talked about this a little bit. We read Death Troopers. We're going to go through the book, kind of discuss uh, the book, and... Uh, we did decide that we are going to do Tales of the Jedi as well. So we have that. And then at the end, we have just some random spooky questions <laughs> that we're going to ask that I just wrote like 30 yes. seconds ago. So allow me to pull up the Google document. Where is it? There it is. Okay. So we're going to start with Tales of the Jedi. Um. News wise, I don't think oh wait. So to follow Pretty up on weed. to follow up on the Lego Star Wars thing from last episode, I forgot there's a book of Boba Fett as well. I I don't think I mentioned that. That will have black chrysanthem in it. Um and that comes out, I believe November. Shoot, I should have looked it up. I believe it's November fourth. <laughs> um And it's called the Lego Star Wars Galactic Edition. Uh, So if you are looking for the um, DLC, uh, that's what it's called, I believe. It's called the Galactic Edition. So let me look it up. Um, And I believe it's going to be um, available to purchase alongside, like, the full game or uh, alone. Um, I don't see it anywhere. It comes out sometime. I believe it's relatively soon, like November or something. Yeah, so... That's exciting, I guess. Um. <laughs> yeah, book of Boba Fett. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So here's a list, by the way. Um, for the Obi Wan Kenobi, it'll have Ben Kenobi, Reva, Grand Inquisitor, Fifth Brother, and Darth Vader. Um, Andor will have Cassian Andor, Bix Cullin, Dedra Miro, Luthen Rael, and Cyr- Cyril Carn. The book of Boba Fett will have Cad Bane. The Armorer, Pelimoto, Black Chrysanthemum, and Cobb Vanth. The Clone Wars will have Captain Rex. <laughs> the Clone Wars will have Captain Rex, Asajj Ventress, Savage Press, Darth Maul, and Gar Saxon. Rebels will have Sabine, Hera, Kanan, Ezra, and Thrawn. Summer Vacation will have Emperor Palpatine, Darth Vader, R2, Finn, and Obi Wan. Um, and that is all just taken basically from. Screen caps in the, uh, the trailer that had come out, and, uh... So, no chopper? Um, no, I I guess not. Uh, and this article... Oh, yeah. What's the point? Characters being added starting point? November 1st, so... Uh, look forward to that... <laughs> Shortly after this episode. Yeah, yeah, the day after, hopefully. Um... That I, like, right after we recorded, I looked it up and saw that I completely forgot about the Book of Boba Fett stuff. So, as far as news goes, that's all I really had. There's that. Yeah. (laughs) So, Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi. Tales of the Jedi came out Wednesday, the 26th. Yeah. Uh, of October 2022 for those listening a thousand years into the future um, and it was six shorts uh, three focusing on Dooku three focusing on Ahsoka this is all stuff we knew um, and so I, I'm one curious how did you watch this did you watch it all at once did you break it up in terms of watching you know, certain ones before certain ones? Did you watch it just in release order? How did Mm -hmm. you do it? So, first of all, I watched like three in one day and then took a day off, not because I wanted to, but I was just kind of busy, and then watched three uh, another day. And so I, when I first went in and looked, I saw that it went the first Ahsoka episode and then all three Dooku episodes, and then the last two Ahsoka episodes, and so I thought that, like, spacing of them was peculiar, and I thought about it, and I was like, why would they, like, why is it in this order, and so my first thought was, like, maybe it's chronological, but I definitely feel like the first Dooku episode would have happened yeah, and maybe it definitely even a second one would have happened years before Ahsoka. So I was like, "What is the rhyme and reason for them having released it that way?" You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I could see them doing like I could see them doing three and three. I could see them doing every other, but then one. Here's my thought. ABC two three is weird. Yeah, so my thought is, um, at Star Wars Celebration the first episode with baby Ahsoka is the one that they showed to the crowd. So... It could be that because they showed it in its entirety to um, the Mm -hmm. crowd, maybe they... um, That's interesting. Maybe they just named it like episode one. And I think maybe that was even... Because... Dave Filoni talked about how the project came to be and it basically started as him having an idea for an Ahsoka short and then they were like we'll let you make it if you write a couple more and so maybe that's also why is because he came up with that story and then they were like all right well how about you write like five more or something and so then that's how it Went, I guess. I, I'm not I sure, gotcha. but my first instinct was they had showed that episode in its completion at celebrations, so maybe that was why they called it Episode 1, and then the rest of them do occur in chronological order, so maybe that is why. Thematically, I don't really yeah. think there's any reason to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Um... So I watched it, I woke up that morning um, and so when I wake up I have an alarm set at 4 and an alarm set at like 4.30 and so I usually get up at 4.30 but I was so excited for this that I got up at 4. Um, so That's crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> I worked at 6 so I had an, uh, work isn't super far for like it's not a long drive so i was able to watch all of them um before work you watched all six in a row (laughs) yeah so Uh. i started with all three of the dooku ones and then i was going to stop and watch the ahsoka ones later but when i was like i turned the tv off and then i was like I probably have enough time and I kind of just want to watch the rest of these. So that's what I did. Um, So I watched all the Ahsoka ones in order. Just I watched them after I watched all the Dooku ones. And uh, I have gone back and watched all of the Dooku ones like at least two or three times. I've watched the last two Ahsoka ones twice I believe and then the first Ahsoka one I only watched once And, um, mm-hmm. but I have watched the Dooku ones like I think I watched the first Dooku one like three or four times the other two I've watched two or three times because um, yeah. they're just like I've... amazing well I Maybe I'm a fake fan. I've only seen them twice. <laughs> I, I watched through them one time just like, you know, a first watch. And then I watched through all of them a second time as I was preparing for this episode. And then I also kind of like went back in and like skipped around to like get names and mm-hmm. direct quotes and stuff. But I won't, I don't count that as a watch because yeah. it wasn't really. But um, yeah, so I guess what we're going to do is we're going to briefly talk about the sorts of plots of each one of these six shorts and then we will kind of discuss um, a range of things about them and there are a few interesting uh, in-universe and kind of meta things that are interesting about Tales of the Jedi. So um, so episode one we've kind of mentioned it a little bit in that uh, it is about like baby Ahsoka uh, so episode one is titled "Life and Death." Um, uh, a baby Ahsoka is is born in a very small village on the Togrota home world, which I forget its name, <laughs> but um, uh, um, it's like implied that like a couple months. I that's at least how I saw it. Maybe like a couple months or a year after Ahsoka was born, um, her mother Pavti kind of. Uh, threw her in a baby Bjorn and was like, I'm going to take her out to do the custom. And then Ahsoka's father, uh, Nakil, was like, That old custom, you're like, that's so old. Like, no one really believes in that anymore. Like, um, you really talk to trees or whatever. And then Pavti is kind of like, They're the spirits of our ancestors. And so, um, you know, like, Pavti is taking Ahsoka into the woods to kind of uh, participate in, like, an ancient ceremony, sort of. And so what they do is they go out, and they she shows Ahsoka, like, all the nature, and then they spot a kaibuk, which is a deer. <laughs> Just a, It's it's pretty normal deer if, by Star Wars standards, like... Um, but she shoots it, and then it's well, literally the scene from Avatar. It's a normal where, deer, but like, just wait until episode two. When there's just a literal yeah. a human, like, not human, but a literal earth dog. But, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, that was crazy. I was like, what? Okay, but anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So, um she kind of shoots this deer and then goes in and finishes it off with her knife and like says a says like a prayer while she does it so it's like very like zen like it's not like we don't feel bad for the deer kind of because it's just like yes we're one with nature then some like a saber-tooth tiger type of thing sneaks up behind them and attacks tax pop tea and she fights it and It really holds her own, actually, against, like, an animal that is, like, three times her size. (laughs) Like, it was kind of crazy. It was a pretty pretty cool uh, fight scene. Um, But eventually, like, she kind of gets knocked down, and the beast carries Ahsoka off by, like, the scruff um, and its teeth into the woods. And um, so, like... Uh, eventually pavti is back at the village and everyone's worried about ahsoka and ahsoka is in the woods with this creature and the creature kind of goes in close to like eat it i guess which is pretty morbid eat ahsoka i mean eat Eat it it, um, (laughs) but eat it eat her she's a she's not a human but she's she's a person humanoid (laughs) yeah humanoid um but right as, like, its muzzle gets super close to her, she kind of reaches out her little baby hand and touches it and um, uses some sort of force um, beast-taming ability, I presume. Probably the same thing as. So does ahead. a lot. Yeah. And so then, in a, a very comical turn of events, Ahsoka is returned to the village riding on the beast's back. And the beast... And Pavti have a little bit of a moment, mm. like a I see you, I respect you moment. Again, very avatar actually. Mm-hmm. And um so uh Pavti is like obviously very relieved. The whole village is relieved that Ahsoka is fine and unharmed and returned to them, and so she asks the the wise village grandma, uh, Gantika. She says, how could this be? And Gantika replies by saying, simply Jedi. Ahsoka is Jedi. And that's the short. Yeah, so... Life and death, ladies and gentlemen. At the end of this, we'll probably rank all of them, but uh, if you have your ranking of it. But this one was kind of definitely my least favorite one of all of them. Not because it was, like, bad or poorly made or poorly written or anything. It just seemed the least, like... The story... Like, it's a story that I feel like there is no other story like this in terms of, like... no, but There's not a story about, like, baby... Like, Batman or something. There's not, Mm -hmm. like, baby Luke Skywalker. I mean, there kind of is, but, like... It's weird to, like, take a hero and then be like... What did they do as a baby? And then it's like... Okay, that was a weird... (laughs) That was... (laughs) Like, I didn't know that was a thing that anyone had ever thought about. What did Ahsoka do as a baby? But... Apparently Dave Filoni did. Um, but yeah, it, it just was like... It wasn't bad. Like it, it was kind of beautiful and artistic in its own right. It was just like... Compared to all these other ones that are like these... Kind of important moments in the lives of the characters. This one felt really kind of like... At the end of it, it was like, okay. That was bizarre. I didn't... I, I never thought that like we would watch 20 minutes of mm-hmm. a baby ahsoka ton like almost get eaten alive and then ride a tiger out of the forest it, i don't know it was just it was just kind of a bizarre thing and it was just like okay yeah that exists now i guess <laughs> canonically that exists candy, let's go yeah um do you want to cover episode two? Uh yes, because this one was fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so I you like this one. Yeah, so Dooku and his apprentice Qui-Gon Jin go to a planet, an unnamed planet. Um, I believe it's unnamed. Um Yeah, I, I think it was unnamed. And they arrive, it's very muddy, very uh run down. It reminds me a lot of the planet from the Ahsoka episode of Mando season two, kind of like foggy and very, it reminds a lot of like, um, kind of in, I think it's in seven samurai, which is like the most famous samurai movie ever made after like the village gets ransacked. It's kind of like beat up. I think it's that I might be thinking of a different movie, but um, it's just a very like worn down place filled with worn down people, and so there's an earth dog, (laughs) just a normal like dog, not an alien dog, Mm -hmm. as far as we can tell. It's just a normal dog, and so which, which you know what? As I'm thinking about it now. That has, that has felony all over it because you know exactly what, it's the same bit as in Avatar The Last Airbender to where they have all the hybrid animals, but then there's just a normal bear that it's the same bit. <laughs> like, like it was so shocking to see a normal. It was bear very bizarre. Animal. Um, so they go into this bar area, cantina area. I Can't believe you put bar instead of cantina in the notes. Um, <laughs> um, where the citizens are kind of warily looking at them and kind of talking amongst themselves, and so Dooku walks in and he goes, "Where is the senator's son?" <laughs> and so yeah. then they're like, "I love Dooku's voice." Yeah. Um, Corey Burton, I believe, is his name, and I Corey think Burton. he does also voice Cad Bane. I think that's mm-hmm. why you were like when the trailer came out, you are like, he sounds kind of like Cad Bane. I think it is the same voice actor. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so, they're like, why should we tell you, or whatever, and so then he sits down, he sits down with them, and he's like, allow me to make my intentions clear. And he like, sets his lightsaber down, and they're like, Jedi, we don't want anything to do with you, blah, 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 blah. So eventually, they, uh, the one lady starts talking and then qui-gon's like you're you're the kidnapper and then dooku goes like they all are and so the whole town is kind of part of this conspiracy and so they take dooku and qui-gon to this barn where uh the senator's son is being held and so they go in and they're like are you comfortable he's like yes, given the consequences or given the circumstances or whatever, I have this droid Teuton or whatever his name was to uh, keep me company. And so the son basically understands and kind of sympathizes with the townspeople who have said, or they said to Dooku, like, he doesn't, the senator, like, his policies don't help us in any way. Like, he... They, they try to get his attention so that he can see kind of what's going on. And the son kind of gets it now that he's been kidnapped. And so he obviously doesn't want to be kidnapped, but he kind of understands their plight and feels for them. And he doesn't like, he doesn't really hold it against them for having kidnapped him. Um, so then the, uh, Mm-hmm. Um, one of the villagers runs in and they're like, the senator, he's on his way. Ooh. <laughs> Whoops, I just punched my microphone over. Anyways, so they're like, the senator, he's on his way with soldiers or whatever. And then they're like, the Jedi, they told him. And they're like, no, the senator didn't even know we were here. And so... The senator and his guys pull up, and then one of the ladies that we saw from earlier in the town uh, is there. And, like, it it's implied that, like, she she like was offered money to turn them in or whatever. And then what I thought was really great in that moment was the other woman was, like, didn't hold it against her. She was like, yeah... Like, any one of us could have done that. It's, like, a natural thing to do. Like, we don't hold it against her or anything, which I thought was an interesting thing. Like, they weren't mad at her or anything. Mm-hmm. And so, I actually wrote this down this, in my yeah. notes. Everybody gotta eat. So, there was, um... So, the senator is kind of, like, up on his high horse talking to Dooku or whatever. And then he's like, um... Tell them to, like, turn over my son or something along those lines. He says something. And then Dooku's like, um, our investigation is not complete. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like, bro, you found him. Like, what do you mean your investigation is not complete? But Dooku, obviously, he he's siding with the villagers. And so he's like, no, our investigation is not complete. And then, uh, they have this back and forth where, um, I'll just read it. So the senator has all his guys, they pull their guns, um, and he says, like, step aside, Jedi. And Dooku goes, we cannot. Or he's like, we cannot. And then the senator goes, you serve the Senate. And then Dooku goes, no, we serve the people of this republic. And then there's, um... The um, senator says something along the lines of, uh, "Like soldiers, ready. You're like ready. Your weapons, aim." Um, and then Dooku says, "I believe just stand down." And then he goes, "I will not." And so the music swells. Kevin Kiner's score is amazing. There's like an organ kind Bro of goes off. There's like an organ kind of tone to it. Reminding me kind of... Of Mm -hmm. Thrawn's score from Rebels a little bit. Um, And then... Dooku and Qui-Gon activate their sabers. And there's a shootout between them and the villagers. Or the soldiers and the villagers. And then Dooku and Qui-Gon are kind of in the middle. Deflecting what they can. People get hit on both sides. Um, And uh, eventually... Qui-Gon just kind of, or not Qui-Gon, Dooku kind of snaps and just, like, starts force choking the senator. And so Qui-Gon is like, no, stop, or whatever. And um, Dooku, I think, like, pushes him back or or something along those, some, like, something like that. And then Qui-Gon mm-hmm. runs to the barn and gets the son. And he's like, go, save your father, basically, because Dooku's about to like murder him and so um the son goes and uh after that the townspeople kind of are just going back to their lives or whatever they i i i don't remember like were they uh I don't remember if at the end they there was anything to imply that like the villagers got anything out of this entire ordeal they went through. So so basically at the end, like not only does like the The sun the sun basically says like yeah he he like scolds his father for like how could we have allowed this to happen you know and then at the end. Like he is basically promising that he's going to work to try to make things better, and so it kind of ends with like Qui Gon and Dooku standing, yeah. So, yeah, like, um, yeah, Dooku tells like it's it, there's a happy, happy ish moment, like, feels like it's been kind of resolved a little bit, um. And then Dooku says, I wonder if any meaningful change will come of this. And then they have a little back and forth, him and Qui-Gon. And then um, Dooku says, you're a much wiser man than I, Qui-Gon Jinn. Which is kind of a callback to Qui-Gon in the prequels, which I believe he says something very similar to Obi-Wan. But that moment, the standoff where he goes... uh, step aside Jedi we cannot you serve the senate no we serve the people of the republic was maybe my favorite moment in the entire Tales of the Jedi and then um, the the we cannot versus the I will not mm-hmm. from the senator I thought was another really great like kind of parallel all in that same scene um, and yeah I this I loved everything about this one. And this was the first one I watched, too. So, like, first thing in the morning, and I'm just like, oh, Yeah. See, I actually, now that I'm remembering it, like, when I watched this, I, I started the Ahsoka episode, like, right as I woke up, and I was watching it in bed, and then I didn't remember any of it. <laughs> and so I had to go back and watch it again, because I literally watched the whole episode literally couldn't remember it at all cuz I watched it the minute I woke up. I'm not like you, but yeah, so that was that was a really good one. I agree that's definitely like in the better uh better half. Which I've me, seen but, a lot of people say this one wasn't was like not just the worst of the Dooku ones, but like low down in their ranking. And I was like what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright. So, episode three. Episode oh, I also three. love the the model of Dooku. I love Dooku's animated yeah. model. He looks a lot like um, Christopher Lee. Like, mm-hmm. I've watched one of the Christopher Lee Dracula movies, and so the way that they did Dooku's hair and everything, it looks a lot like that was the inspiration. And so I saw that and I was like, that looks so good. Yeah. I would love to see more of that. Cause I thought just the, the look of him and Qui-Gon, I thought looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've said it. I think I might've even said it in an episode, but I've said it before. I'll say it again. Dooku is giving a lot of Snape vibes. Yeah. All of this. Like, His voice especially, like, because I feel like Dooku, when he's introduced in the movies, he's kind of, like, changed as a character in a bit. Not, like, in character, like, development. But, like, in the movies, he's kind of, like, good. Twice the pride, double the fall. And he has, like, this erocratic, like, kind of full of himself Mm -hmm. sense about him. Like, the signature look of superiority meme. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. But... Um, but like in the Clone Wars and now in this too, it's like, not, I don't get that feeling, but it's more like Snape to where it's just like, like deadly serious mm-hmm. and like just a very, a very yeah, like it's a, it's a happy, serious. hopeful moment. And he's like, I wonder if anything good will actually happen. <laughs> I wonder if any meaningful change will come of this, Mr. Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. So, episode three, Choices. So, um... Wait, uh, did we say episode two was called Justice, by the way? Oh, maybe. So, Justice. Episode three, Choices. So, uh, Dooku and Mace Windu are dispatched on a mission to the planet, uh, Raxus Secundus. Which is, I believe, the capital of the Separatist, uh... The Separatist uh, Alliance? I don't know what it's called. Se- the Confederacy of Independent Systems. I believe it's Raxus yeah. that is their capital. And I think we see it in the Clone Wars. Interesting. Um, In that episode where, like, Padme goes to the Separatist Senate or something like that. I think that's what... I think that's Raxus. Yeah. We need them to release that one guy from Andor's... Um, manifesto and we need to release <laughs> the the articles of separatism yeah the articles of separatist I need, these are yeah yeah but anyway so episode three choices they're dispatched to raxus secundus to recover the body of the late jedi master uh katri 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 i, I believe is how they, they, they say it katri katri, katri. <laughs> who was a member I yeah, think. who was a member of, like, the High Jedi Council. One of the twelve. I, I think so, she was Mirielan, too. Like, she looked kind of like Luminara, I think. Oh. Because they show her eventually I, okay. at the end, but... Anyways, yeah. That was just a random side note. Uh, okay. Okay, anyway. so, uh, So, when they arrive, they meet with this... A senator of the planet named Senator Larrick, and he was uh, with Katri when they were attacked by some random malevolent group, and Katree died trying to protect him. And so Dooku kind of goes into this, and he's like talking to Windu, and he's like, "We're, I'm going, like, we're gonna find out who did this." And then Mace Windu was like, "No, like, our only job here is to get her body and bring it back to Coruscant." So it can be, she can be properly laid to rest. Like we're not looking into this, but you know, like Duku, we kind of know he plays not by his, he plays by his own rules, not in like a headstrong sense. Like he's not some like reckless wild kid, but like he is opinionated. He is sure. the reason Qui Gon is who Qui Gon is, which I guess we have him to thank. Yeah, for that. <laughs> but um, so. Yeah, so Mace Windu's like, we're not looking into this, but as um, Dooku is, like, questioning Leric, and, like, he seems very on edge, and, like, his story kind of doesn't make sense, Windu's like, oh, yeah, no, actually, he is hiding something. And so they ask Leric to take him to, like, the spot in the forest, um, kind of, like, on the outskirts of the city, I think, where um, this attack happened. And so they go out, and the Jedi are like, "Um, okay, so what happened? And then he's like, well, they kind of were standing over here, and they started shooting at us. Um, And then we ran on, like, I ran onto the ship, whatever, whatever. And so basically, Dooku was like, wait, that, you're lying, because, like, why doesn't your ship have any blaster bolts on it? If they were standing across from the ship, shooting at you, like, they would have hit your ship and so basically, like, Larry gets, like, super tense, and then, like, really quick, he's just, like, he's, like, kind of runs towards them, and he's, like, it was the bodyguards, it was the bodyguards who did it, mm-hmm. and so, like, his bodyguards that are all surrounding him immediately, like, shoot this senator, and, um, then, like, they start attacking the Jedi, and so Dooku and Windu uh, do what Dooku and Windu do. Probably the two most well. Powerful he, the one thing that's in, saber duelist. One thing that's important. I think it's in this one. Dooku activates his saber before he gets killed, right? And so then once they shoot the senator, that's when Mace because Mace Windu's like Dooku, like stop. What are you doing? And then once they shoot him, that's when Mace yeah. Windu activates his saber. So Dooku's kind mm-hmm. of. It's just another moment of him like kind of yeah. not breaking the rules, but he's like I'm not really like <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. gonna worry about protocol here. <laughs> like I know something's up. And yeah. even if even if the protocol says I can't act on this yet, like too bad. Mm hmm. And and so uh Like I said, Windu and Dooku are probably like the most powerful duelists in the entire order. And so they quickly dispatch most of the bodyguards. um, But, you know, they kind of stop and arrest um, the remaining ones, I guess. Or maybe just the captain. I forget specifically the body count of this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, well, there are some droids that hop out too. And then oh, yeah. it comes down to, like, two, I think, two guards. And I believe, like, one of them's an older guy and one of them's a younger guy. And I, I got the impression that it was, like, a father-son type thing. And um, the, like... The, they were kind of surrendering but then the son kind of like made one last like attack at them and then died or something. I think that happened, right? Or am I making that up? I I don't remember. You're the one who watched it seven times. <laughs> That's know. why I think. Because <laughs> um, I think like I think it then shows the um, dad kind of like I'm assuming it's a dad. <laughs> I need to look this up now, but I'm uh, I I'm pretty sure it was like. It came down to the two of them. They killed the younger guy because he attacked him, and then the dad was just kind of like, "Oh no." Mm-hmm. Um, but and, but yeah, uh, keep going, and then I'll come back to that. I don't think, yeah, I think that detail is not super important. Essentially, like they arrest the one guard and Dooku kind of speaks to him in his cell, and he's like, I don't necessarily disagree with your ideology, but, um, like, your methods were very flawed, and so we kind of see, like, um, yeah, like, he kind of explains himself, and so basically the the guards were upset with the senator and felt as if he wasn't, you know, acting in the interest of, uh, the his constituents very similar to the last episode like upset with their senator and so they um uh jedi master catchery was kind of killed in the crossfire as they worked to kind of like essentially hold uh blackmail him hold him hostage the senator and then force him to do their bidding in the senate and so Dooku kind of sympathizes again with, like, the, the powerful, not caring for the, you know, the powerless, the working class kind of. And um, Windu kind of sees this from a distance as, like, eyeing Dooku suspiciously as he talks to this prisoner. And eventually they, they return to Coruscant with Katri's corpse in tow. And upon uh, arriving, like, they find out that Mace Windu uh, was appointed Master Katri's vacant uh, council seat. And I, I don't, it's not, like, explicitly in the episode, but it, you kind of got the sense that, like, it was it was kind of like a tense moment kind of cuz like duku is much older like i think mace windu was like the youngest person before anakin to ever be appointed to the council he was only 28 duku's probably well into his 50s i would guess or fourth like, yeah i don't know for sure like about that. that but um yeah it's kind of like Dooku's more experienced duku um is older and dooku, it's kind like, of the has, opposite who has like big ideas yeah to it, like reform things and that's why they kind of go with windu because as we've seen in this episode windu is kind of like a suck up to the council and a very is a rule follower and so yeah they give dooku, i mean windu the well mercy. and dooku kind of um implies or accuses him by way of implication of like knowing that the council seat was up for grabs before the mission or Mm -hmm. maybe like kind of playing the mission in such a way that he knew the seat was going to be his afterward or something and then Mace denies it so there's not really any way of telling like is Mace lying yeah. or anything like that, but um, he's kind of like we're just gonna go do our mission. We love Mace Windu. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's just like Dooku goes and he's like, something is definitely like so obviously wrong here. Like we need to investigate this, and Mace is like, no, let's just like do what we're here to do and then go home. And so then Dooku. Like, kind of implies that he's, like, exactly what you said, just kind of, like, sucking up to the council. But, um, I think Windu says, like, we had a mission, like, I followed the orders, you didn't, or something along those lines. And, um, it was, uh, I just lost my train of thought but, um... yeah. Oh, it Uh, was... I wonder if this situation with Dooku... Like, Dooku was kind of a maverick, kind of did things his own way, so they didn't invite him to the council. Qui-Gon was very much the same way, but maybe they learned since Dooku left the Order... That like, hey, we might need someone like that on the council, and that's why they ask Qui Gon. But then maybe Qui Gon, maybe one of the reasons Qui Gon kept saying no, besides training Obi Wan, which was brought up in the Master and Apprentice book, but um, maybe one of his other reasons is like, no, you guys totally screwed over like my master for this. Yeah. Like, I'm not just gonna like you. You screwed him over. I mean, I think in the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama. Dooku is on the council at some point. Um I don't remember specifically though, because I read that at least like three years ago when it came out. So I believe at some point he does make it onto the council, but um yeah, getting passed up for like Mace Windu of all people, and he's very like upset about it so mm-hmm. you may smell, kidding uh but yeah so that is episode three episode four and, uh, episode you four really gave me two of the best <laughs> sorry about it so uh episode four the sith lord is what it's called so We, a lot of these open on the Jedi Temple, oddly. Um, I mean, I guess maybe not oddly, but, uh, it is called Tales of the Jedi, but, um, a lot of them start at the temple. Um, so, or maybe it's just the, the, this one and the next one both open on the temple and it's two in a row. I don't know. So, Dooku, uh, Is in the Jedi Archive. And he goes into kind of a side chamber, which presumably is like either a room where they store, like, the memory, or it's um, just like kind of another room with different information that's not held in the main room or something. Either way, he goes in here and he deletes the information from the planet Camino, which we know from Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan tries to find it and Jocasta New is like, It just doesn't exist. <laughs> and he's like, Well couldn't mm-hmm. someone have erased it? And she's like, No. <laughs> Someone could have erased it. And so no. And then we find out in this episode, it's actually very easy. It <laughs> he walks was in not that He walks hard. in and deletes it and then walks out. Um so I have seen a little bit of question about this because the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama details many different highlights of Dooku's life and um this episode occurs around the same time exactly as Phantom Menace. And so I believe in the Dooku audio drama, it said that he had left before this happened, before Phantom Menace happened. So why was he still in the temple? And the reason that is, it's very vague whether he's in the, whether he's a Jedi still in this episode or not, but it is in the recent called padawan and i believe it's mentioned in dooku jedi lost that he was welcomed back to the temple after he had left like he he would come visit occasionally like many people still held him in high regard i mean even in attack of the clone when they're like i think count dooku tried to assassinate padme and then Kiari Mundi is in there with them and he's like he's not a murderer, he's just a political idealist. He's a political idealist, not a murderer. So Which which is interesting enough, like given this new context with Mace Windu to where he's like like, yeah, he's a good guy and all, but like there's also an edge to him. Like Yeah. Um you know, maybe Mace Windu better than more than most might know what Dooku might be capable of. Yeah. So, um... Basically... Oh, and he uses um, Master sifo security access code, which suggests that sifo probably just recently perished. <laughs> um, so... He notices that a lot of the Jedi in the temple are Speaking in like excitedly hushed tones, kind of uh, acting strange, and he talks to Jocasta new, like what's going on, and she's basically like your Padawan, or your old Padawan Qui-Gon, claimed to the council just now that he had encountered a Sith Lord on Tatooine, and Dooku's like, oh, interesting, a Sith Lord. And so, this doesn't really like on the first watch, like it didn't really get hit me until like the second watch that like, oh now I get why he like said it that way. Because it, it sounds like he's just like, oh interesting, a Sith Lord. And then eventually we'll get to it at the end. But um she basically says like not many people believe Qui-Gon says that he has an overactive imagination. And then uh, Dooku's like, unfortunately, it's a trait valued less and less by the Jedi or by the Council or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dooku, it kind of cuts to Dooku walking with Master Yattle, Goat, the Queen, uh, Yattle, and they run into Qui Gon Jinn, and uh, they kind of have little conversation. It's Liam Neeson about the duel on Tatooine. Um, Dooku warns him that a Sith Lord is not to be trifled with, and that he will not always be there to protect him. Qui-Gon says, Obi-Wan fills that role now, and Dooku says, like, he wishes to meet Qui-Gon's apprentice someday. Um, then we jump forward in time. Is that a Sorry, is that a is yes. that a loath cat from the other? <laughs> it's room? My, my Tuka cat is just oh, mewling up a storm. And so um That's so funny. So <laughs> you need to stop. Anyways. Oh gosh. So um they jump forward in time, Dooku's at this tree the Queen Yaddle walks up to him and, um... (laughs) She says, the council's leaving soon for Naboo to attend Qui-Gon's funeral. And so, this happens... The the previous events happened during the events of the Phantom Menace when Qui-Gon brings Anakin to the council um, and then they go, they head back to Naboo for the Battle of Naboo. So... That much time has kind of passed. Word got back that Qui-Gon died. Um, And so... Dooku says... I I believe the line is like... um, Mm -hmm. I believe my company would be found uncomfortable or something like that. Um, And so he doesn't go and he... The music playing, by the way, is like that... The Revenge of the Sith music, like right before Anakin goes to the temple to like kill Mace Windu, basically. When he's just kind of standing, or before he goes to the Palpatine's office, where he's standing in the temple. And like he just starts crying in the temple and like Padme's looking out her window. And it's just like that, it's kind of quiet, but there's just like that ominous, sad kind of vocal thing. It was very much like that throughout this episode. Um, and so she says she's going um or, wait, no. So uh, Dooku basically says like I don't think they'll find my company pleasant or comfortable or whatever. And then Yaddle suggests like you hold the council like responsible for not like not believing him or you know sending him anyway, knowing there was a Sith Lord or something. And so Dooku kind of it's implied Mm -hmm. it's it's odd that like um, or not odd but like, even in Attack of the Clones when he talks to Obi-Wan about like, your old Master Qui-Gon would have joined me or whatever, and then like there's a moment in that conversation where he does act genuinely kind of sad about qui-gon's death and so he really is he really feels like heartbroken in this short like in this conversation so dooku flies off in his ship and is followed by a smaller ship that yaddle's piloting and so they go to a familiar location from the end of attack of the clones um where it seems to be kind of Sidious's secret lair. And so he shows up, and Sidious is there. And it is Ian McDermott's voice. And it was, like, so good. I was like, no way. Like, he came back for Kenobi, then he came back for Tales of the Jedi. Both him and Liam Neeson uh, for both of those. So that that was really cool. And so, like, even though... He was like, like it was just, it was just in, an interesting confirmation that even at the time of Phantom Menace, he was working with Sidious, but he wasn't a Sith yet because Maul was still a Sith, and there's only two of them, right? So, um, mm-hmm. Dooku tells Sidious that he'd gone too far, and he's upset that Maul killed Qui Gon, and Sidious essentially says like it was a necessary sacrifice for the greater good, and Dooku said Qui Gon would have been a powerful ally. So here's a question. Do you think Qui-Gon would have... Like, if Dooku had extended a hand to Qui-Gon, do you think Qui-Gon would have left the Jedi for Dooku? Well, it's it's kind of interesting, because um, this whole episode, like, totally adds new light to Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. Like, in a lot of ways. Like, obviously with the Kamino stuff, like, we see, like, oh, like... That's obviously a direct reference, but also in this, like, Qui-Gon saying, you know, like, like, when they meet in the hallway earlier in the episode, and Qui-Gon is like, Obi-Wan protects me now, um, and then, like, Dooku says, you're always singing his praises, I certainly hope I get to meet him someday. Like, that's, like, a really tragic foreshadowing, because, like, Qui-Gon will die, and obi-wan will be the person to like defeat maul you know Mm -hmm. well and and also obi-wan won't be able to protect him like yeah obi-wan will literally be stuck on the other side of a door and can't be there so yeah. yeah yeah and then in attack of the clones like Um, there's this whole scene where, like, Obi-Wan is kind of captured... One of the better scenes in the movie, actually. And he's he's suspended in the air like that. And Dooku is giving this whole thing about, like, oh, like, I, you know, he he talks about Qui-Gon, and uh, he was like, I was hoping Qui-Gon would, like, Qui-Gon saw things the same way as I did. And all of this, and so I oh, would never like, join you. <laughs> so, yeah, so like, so like, just like a contextless watch of Attack of the Clones, you're like, oh, like Dooku is spinning his little, well, it also trying to confuse Obi. Well, and it also, without having seen this, it also is that scene is just kind of trying to make Dooku seem more connected to these characters and events than he because that was like the first time we had seen him so it was like oh this is why you you should work like this is why this character is important like he has a history with these characters in some way but now adding this context to it it makes the scene even better than just Mm -hmm. for that but um yeah yeah, so And, and so it is like when you watch attack of clones you're like dooku's just trying to trick him but now like if you watch it again in the light of this it's like could dooku have genuinely been like reaching out and like obi-wan like i knew your master i loved your master even we saw things the same way and he always spoke so highly of you and he saw like great potential in you and so kind of by the transitive property like I genuinely do want you to, like, join me. Like, Well, yeah. it kind of like, my favorite, wow, maybe he, my he fav- did mean it. My favorite part of that conversation is where he goes, the Senate is under the control of a Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. And then, like, none of the Jedi ever, like, follow up on that. They're just like, oh, no, he mm-hmm. was lying. <laughs> and so, yeah, He's I think... Lit. So, let's finish out the synopsis. So... Yaddle <laughs> reveals herself er, <laughs> Yaddle, Queen Yaddle reveals herself and confronts Dooku Sidious basically says like you have to kill her. So the two fight Yoda apo- er, <laughs> Yaddle apologizes for the council's failures in the death of Qui-Gon and uh, Dooku ends the fight by seemingly crushing her inside of a Kind of like a a lifting door. Like it lifts up so that ships can fly in and out. So he falls to his knees. Basically like a what have I done kind of thing. She lifts the door back up in the air triumphantly. The force theme plays. It's like really beautiful. Kind of shows Dooku Mm -hmm. the light one last time. Sidious kind of like hides, cowers from the light. Symbolically, because he's like a being of darkness, and like darkness can't hide in the light. But also on a more like tangible level, yeah. like he doesn't want his face to be seen—that he's Palpatine—in case Yaddle like survives or something, or or turns Duku or something. Like he doesn't want anyone to know who he is. I guess. Like I, I wondered if Duku even knew Sidious's real like persona did anyone know that palpatine was sidious i i think it's in a legends book when grievous captures palpatine right before revenge of the sith like i think in that novel it says like that he thought maybe i should just kill palpatine now and like (laughs) prove myself (laughs) and and like he didn't like he he wouldn't have known that Sidious was, or Palpatine was actually the guy on, like, paying him, or if he gets paid, I don't know. But anyways, so... we was doing it freelance, no <laughs> way. I'm a general for free. So, um, Yaddle basically falls down, and she offers Dooku one last chance to come back, and they would basically figure it out, like, whatever you've done, he says "Uh, it's too late, or whatever. And then she's like, It this might have been earlier, actually, but she's like, if you, like, if you defeat the Sith Lord now, like, whatever you've done will be made up for by coming back, basically. And so then she offers him the light one last time, and he says, I'm afraid. And she goes, like, of course you are. Like everyone's afraid, and then he's like, "I'm afraid it's too late," and then he kills her, um, and that's the end of it. So, um, I also like the foreshadowing of him fighting uh, Yoda in Attack of the Clones, because mm-hmm. like he he defeated Yaddle in a fight, so like that fight between him and Yoda might seem kind of one sided for Yoda, but knowing this now makes it a lot more like, you know, Yoda really could be facing an equal. Um, But yeah, I think these three really fleshed out Dooku. I have liked Dooku a lot since Jedi Lost came out, but I think this really cemented him as one of the most interesting villains. And it really makes the, the timeline which in Legends is kind of discussed in the Darth Plagueis book, but, like, Sidious had Maul and Dooku working under him at the same time, though Dooku wasn't a Sith until after this. And this was must have been, like, his test of becoming a Sith, I suppose. Um, and so... It's very, He almost talks about Maul like he's familiar with Maul. And I don't know, I don't remember from the Clone Wars if there's any moments like that where he's familiar with Maul in any way other than name. But um, it was really interesting how the first episode shows how kind of the world has started to view Jedi as just kind of hands of the senate rather than the hand like servants of the people the second one kind of showed dooku's kind of the origins more of that senate stuff but kind of the origins of dooku's kind of distaste for the council and the council being very like close-minded and kind of elitist in a way like yeah they'll choose this guy who is probably far less experienced than dooku who just because like he thinks the way they do he he follows every word they say he even if it means like not uncovering the truth of a situation where one of their own died and then this one is just kind of i feel like dooku got into this whole thing for good reasons like the separatists are kind of right and that's kind of what the rebellion is is basically like another separatist movement and like politically they're right because the republic has become kind of this very stale and corrupt government body even though our heroes fight for the republic they fight they are fighting for the wrong side kind of but though his intentions were pure, just like he said to that other senator, like I agree with you, but your your mode, like I agree with your motives, but your actions aren't like right. And so I think Dooku starts mm-hmm. the same way, where his motives are right. Like the Jedi are flawed, that's why he leaves. The Republic itself is flawed, that's why he kind of. I think that's probably the thread that palpatine or Sidious polls to kind of get Dooku into place is like you already know the Jedi are corrupt, the Republic is also corrupt. You should start a separatist, like you should spearhead a separatist movement and kind of create your own government. And then it becomes like by the way I'm a Sith. You're not a Jedi, so we're not enemies, so like don't kill me. Like sometimes, you know, we might need to do things like yeah. the Sith wave or whatever. And then it just kind of, the more he gives, the less, like, he's able to stand again, like, stand for what's actually right, and then eventually becomes the duku we know, who's, like, the Sith Lord, who's leading, like, the oppression of other planets, and almost becomes, like, as bad as the republic that he first fought against, like he he becomes more more corrupt than than the Jedi have. So I really liked all Bridget this in L. I really liked all the Duku stuff. I really hope that they do mm-hmm. uh, more Duku stuff. But I feel like we're going long, so let's <laughs> let's get on okay. with the next couple. It's gonna be a banger <laughs> of an episode. Uh, so. Uh, episode 5, this is one of my personal favorites, and it's very simple, actually. So, episode 5 is titled, Practice Makes Perfect. And so, we see Ahsoka, uh, and her her montrals are, like, rather short. And so, it's, like, a younger Ahsoka, and we see Anakin wearing his, like, clone armor type thing. His Clone Wars armor. And so that's kind of, like, the time frame it is to, like, towards the beginning of the Clone Wars. And so she is demonstrating some lightsaber, like, technique and skills she's learned in front of an audience of Anakin, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Mace Windu, Plo Koon. Uh, Interestingly enough, Depa Billaba and her young apprentice, uh, Caleb Doom. And the test is administered by the GOAT, uh, Tara Sunube. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Ahsoka aces the test, but Anakin isn't pleased because he's like, the training droids are way too easy. Like, they're kind of set to, like, the difficulty of battle droids, and he's like, battle droids are way too easy. And so Anakin, as Anakin tends to do, takes matters into his own hands, and he has Captain Rex and some members of the 501st kind of, like, in this big empty room And he recreates the drill in which all of the clone troopers stand around Ahsoka. And they have their blasters set to stun. And so Anakin's like, use the force and like, you like, sense when a trooper is about to fire. And so it's just like a juiced up version of the previous drill. And it is a lot more difficult. And Ahsoka tries and tries and tries and gets stunned a lot of times. And when she gets stunned, she gets knocked out. And so there's, like, a little montage of her getting stunned and then picking, like, Anakin, like, picking her up when she comes to and, like, putting her back to it. And eventually she's like, this test, like, master, like, what you're doing to me is insane right now. Like, this is not (laughs) helping. And Anakin is basically like, look, like, I want to test you against the clones because, like, I want you to be ready for anything. And, like, I want to protect you. And the best way I can do that is teach you to protect yourself. And so she kind of, like, gears up to do the drill again. And then in the middle of the drill, it, like, kind of switches time and, like, a cool, like, shift. And now we're in the future Um, She has her two green lightsabers, and we see Anakin watching from the distance. Uh, I believe they're, like, on a venator. Yeah, they're, they're, like, in one one of the hangars. Yeah, and so Ahsoka has kind of, it's like a jump forward in time, and we see that Ahsoka's kind of taken to practicing this drill independently. So, like, she's seen the value in it, and Anakin's kind of, like, far away watching her and, like, admiring it from a distance. And so then uh, that's just, like, a brief kind of thing. And then after that, we jump forward in time again to, like... And this cut was so, like, insane to me. I was like, oh, boy. Like, this got really real. Um, So we jump forward to the last arc of the Clone Wars that Ahsoka is in. And her... Ahsoka and Rex are walking, like, down the hallway of like this this uh ship that's kinda going down a bit. And You remember it from the like, Siege of Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually Rex is like, let let let's hope all this training pays off. And he kind of like puts a gun to Ahsoka's back and walks her into the hangar. Um and they're gonna like try to because like Order sixty six is happening and um yeah <laughs> so the entire it's, it's like is a like, has their guns ready. Right it's down. like a deleted scene from that last episode of the clone wars where they're like i have a plan and then their plan is rex is like she's not actually a jedi anymore remember so we shouldn't kill her and they're like that doesn't matter um, uh but yeah yeah and so um i really like this one actually and i feel like some people won't or maybe, because it's kind of, I think it might be, like, one of the shortest ones, and it's kind of simple. But, uh, I love, I think, I really love this one. (laughs) Yeah. I, I like the idea of it. I just don't think, I feel like all the other ones, like, they add more to the character. Like, I think that's why I, this one kind of ranks lower for me is because like it didn't really add anything all it it felt like it was there to kind of make an emotional punch at the end but it it didn't really tell us anything new about the character yeah i but i think it does kind of like i think this kind of like is an anakin moment as well to where like we see him obviously before he's evil, and he's like, "I want to protect you. I want to teach you how to protect yourself." And then eventually, like, she uses that to protect herself from, it, like, not directly, but by extension, like something he's and, responsible for, like yeah. Anakin's machinations. Yeah, like, yeah, um, it's it's so I I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, and also just like it. It also gives like a sense of scope of like time, mm-hmm. I guess. Like seeing Ahsoka in like three different like visible like ages, and like yeah. with Rex as well, and um, just kind of like gives more like gravity to the betrayal, I guess, mm-hmm. of like how long they've known each other and like how once they they sh- she they shot at her to help her train, and they were all buddies, and now they're actually going to try to kill her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But So, episode six, Resolve. So, this one was the most controversial amongst some fans. Uh, so, Ahsoka covertly attends Padme's funeral after um, her and Rex escape in the Y-Wing right after the... Um, the ending of Clone Wars Season 7, and uh, she's noticed by Bail Organa, as she's planning to leave, he catches up with her, and basically urges her to work with him, and uh, keep doing what is good. She says, like, she, she can't do that anymore, basically. So, we flash forward in time, and we essentially get a very abridged version of the Ahsoka novel. She is kind of taking up the name Ashla instead of Ahsoka. She's on a farming planet, and um, it's a story we've heard a hundred times before. She uses the force. The Imperials find out. They send the Inquisitors, and she faces down an Inquisitor, like beats him in five seconds and then Yeah. It was a it was a John Carter moment. It was really sure. it was very much twin sons, but it was uh the score was really, really good. The uh like the backdrop of the flaming village was really really good. It was a great moment. Um and then Baylor Gana shows up and basically offers to her again to get back in the fight and she agrees this time. So the reason this one's so Controversial. The Ahsoka book was written in or released in, I believe, 2016. So, the first canon novel came out in 2014. So this is very, very early on in the canon Disney publishing era that we're currently in. So, this book was published and it contains flashbacks to the Siege of Mandalore. So I believe it was uh, Dave Filoni basically gave them an outline for this story that he had and the, like the Siege of Mandalore and stuff. And so they turned it into a novel. I would assume it's because the Clone Wars had been canceled and they obviously had no idea they were going to make Tales of the Jedi. They probably also had no idea they were going to get to do the Siege of Mandalore in the Clone Wars. So they gave this story to publishing, and there are a lot of details in it that are missing from this short. Obviously, it's a short, so it's going to not be as detailed as a novel, but some of the things that were kind of replaced the... There are two villagers, a brother and a sister in the short, that seem to just be a replacement for two sisters that were in the book that were queer women of color. Or at least one of them was queer, but the women of color. And so people have been calling this erasure of representation, um, making them white or whitewashing is a term whitewashing them, but also like mm-hmm. just kind of erasing those representation characters for no reason. And so I understand that complaint um, more than the complaint that this retcons the book. Um, I think it's yeah. definitely a valuable conversation to have about representation and kind of erasing representation. I also, though, think that, like, this is a, what, like, 12 minutes short. Half of it is spent doing events that happen in the book. So you have, like, seven minutes to basically give the gist of the book So, as far as retconning the book goes, I'm not quite sure why you would look at a novel's worth of story and then seven minutes that is basically an adaptation of it, and then say, like, because this seven minutes exists, this whole book is no longer, is completely retconned. Like, setting aside the representation stuff i don't know in like what world even like even the people that are upset that it's retconning the book like you're you're also the one that's like saying the book is retconned because of the short like just say like i I just don't understand why yeah the people that are complaining that the book is getting retconned are also giving the short more weight than the book in their argument that the book is getting retconned so it's like like I was talking in a discord about it I was like the book is far more detailed I don't know why you wouldn't like say that that is the story and then the shorter version of it is just a much slimmed down version and even on like a production level like Obviously, it's going to get a lot of details are going to get cut. And again, I don't want to like, I don't want to say like, it's fine that they erase representation or anything like that. Um, But like the other stuff, like they cut down like the book and just retconned the book completely, like story wise, I don't know, like. a a script is supposed to be one page is equivalent to one minute of footage is how a script is typically supposed to be. I don't know (laughs) in what world you're thinking that a 300 some page novel is going to translate very easily in all of its detail to seven pages of script. Like, it's just, it's never going to happen that any adaptation is going to completely capture the essence, or maybe not the essence, but everything about the original. Especially when you're going from a novel to a short film, it's never going to happen. Um, now, they definitely could have done better in terms of the representation mm-hmm. aspect. Um, but even then, it's like... um at that point were they even like were they even worrying about the book like it sounded like from what from what Dave Filoni said they based this off of the outline he gave for the book not the book itself so and I don't want to like make an excuse or anything for this like if this book existed and they knew it they probably should have worked off of it but it did it did sound like they didn't they just did the idea that they originally had that they then gave to the book. So it is yeah. kind of an unfortunate situation, especially for people that feel like their their own representation was removed from mm-hmm. the thing. Um, I never really get too worried about retcons, but I do think it is an interesting yeah, conversation. I I, I, I yeah, I definitely feel for the the representation issues as well, but like. For me it's like it's kind of a shame because I like the book. It's a good book. It's well written. It's a cool book. But then like the book was already kind of on the chopping block since the Clone Wars because the Clone Wars changed like some minor details and then like oh suddenly the book and the Clone Wars don't match up. Obviously like like you like how you're kind of saying like the Clone Wars is weighted more heavily than this book, right? And so like I kind of actually do get them, like, just, like, making a, a short that probably more people would see this short than would read the book and being, like, there's already some issues with this book in the canon and so we're just going to kind of, like, rework it, you know? Like, mm. it's, not, it's not that serious. Well, it's still a also, good book. The book still exists. You can still read it. Yeah, and I know, also You don't have to see, burn the book. I also but, did see some people, like, especially, like, some big... Star Wars book people um, like people that are online that are big into the books saying stuff like kind of surprisingly being like retcons are going to happen like this is a giant franchise that spans mediums spans creators spans decades worth of stories like there's it's not going to line up and it like it's not necessary that it all lines up all the time like, if there's two good stories, even if they contradict, those are two good stories. So, we are definitely going to have... This is definitely going to be a special long episode. So, let's yeah, go... It's a holiday. Let's go our rankings. Um, okay, you go first. Worst to best. And this isn't to say yeah, that any so, of these are particularly bad. It's just some of them weren't let, Maybe Maybe... Let's reword it least favorite to favorite. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. So uh, for me, it goes one, which is Baby Ahsoka. Three, which is uh, Dooku and Windu. Six, which is the farm (laughs) one we just talked about. Two, which is the first Dooku episode. Five, which is the Ahsoka training practice makes perfect. And then four, which is Yaddle yaddle episode enough said queen yaddle um so my least favorite was episode one as well five was down there which you obviously like a lot i just didn't think it i don't think it added enough to her character to be i thought i thought like i thought five was the most like short one mm-hmm. like, like when i think, felt of, more when you like you think of like film. a short that plays before a movie yeah. this one that one was yeah. most what i thought of as a short yeah you know so i think it's just a good little standalone bit mm-hmm. you know uh same as you for the third was uh episode six um then i have three and then four and then two um 4 and 2 are probably the same rating. Like, if I'm rating them, I'd probably give both of those 5 stars. Um, So, they're pretty equal, but I think that standoff at the end of episode 2, the first Dooku episode, was just so, like, such a huge, like, Moment and mm-hmm. like, just where like how I watched it like way early in the morning, and just I don't know the music every the 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 back yeah. and forth, uh, that there that album alone yeah. just I think sends it over the top. There is something magical about early early in the morning and something crazy happens. It's yeah, hours. like I'll when still Luke never when forget. Luke came out and. We were all watching yeah. it together early in the morning, when Luke and then came also the like the the Boba Fett episode where Boba Fett comes in for the first time. Yeah, with and the slave the Mandalorian, one. that too, mm-hmm. that was very memorable. Yeah. But. So, did you prefer Duku yeah. or Ahsoka episodes, and why? I preferred um, yeah. the Duku a hundred percent. All three of them, I liked better than all three of the Ahsoka ones. Mhm. And the reason like I've said, I feel like the Dooku one's added a whole lot to his character. It really made him a lot more sympathetic, a lot more understandable, a lot more interesting and I think even in the Clone Wars where he does get a lot of a lot more attention than maybe any other villain in the in the the show or whatever. He does oftentimes come across pretty flat at one note, and this really made him super like three dimensional or however he, like, <laughs> however many dimensions it is, but he there's so many sides yeah. to him and like so many interesting bits about him that have never been expressed so or haven't been expressed so well since Duke I lost at least. Yeah, I would agree. I like the Dooku ones for the reasons you said, and also just because, like, within the format of what Tales of the Jedi is, it kind of seems like Ahsoka's three episodes are disconnected. Like they're just the first episode isn't really. I would say like Ahsoka's mother kind of steals the show, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like kind of you know Ahsoka's a baby, and then two like I I like it, you know I. I'm, the second Ahsoka episode, I mean, like, I really like it, but it doesn't have, like, that much to do with the fifth one. I'm, yeah, the fifth episode, the, you know what I'm saying. But Dooku is, like, although, like, the plots might not be directly connected, like, there's definitely a thematic connection of, like, you're seeing Dooku, like, get disenfranchised with the Republic, and, uh,. We're seeing, like, we see Qui-Gon young, we see him grow up, we see him die, and we see how Dooku, like, what Dooku's relationship with him is like in all of those stages, so I just think it is just a good little uh, a current mm-hmm. throughout uh, Tales of the Jedi that I enjoy. Yeah, I think Dooku's, Dooku's were all very much, you could have put all three of them together into one short film, and it would have been... Mm-hmm. a consistent thing. Ahsoka's were more like filling in little little gaps in her timeline, which is already pretty full, and the Dooku ones were filling in pretty large gaps in the timeline that like his his timeline and his character aren't very uh complete still. So yeah. um they the Dooku ones just felt meatier and weightier. Heavier, I guess. Not mm-hmm. weightier, but Meteor. Yeah. So Okay. What two Jedi would you like to see if they did a volume two? Uh I would like to see and we saw him in volume one. I would like to see Caleb Doom slash Kanan. Because all we really have on him, I think, is like Rebels, and then A New Dawn, which I haven't read, but I've heard it's not one of the stronger of the canon books. And so I think some stories about his training, more about that, more about Master Balaba too. That could be a cool like three episodes. And then well, there is the like, comic series that they have. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I also think maybe Yoda, because we'd, Again, we don't know where Yoda is from. We don't even have a name for his species. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's obvious things like that we could find out. Before. Oh, shoot. So, like, we didn't say Yaddle was wh- voiced by Bryce Dallas Howard. That's true. And she did great. But, yeah, that those are mine. Kanan slash Caleb and uh, Yoda. So, there's a lot that I would like to see. Um... The one I actually thought of, so... I believe I wrote this all out, too. So... I would want to see Ezra Bridger and Luke Skywalker. I think those two characters are very similar. What's interesting about Volume 1 is Dooku and Ahsoka are both characters that left the Jedi Order. And Ahsoka becomes kind of this well fulcrum agent working for the rebellion but kind of like not a jedi but someone who's on the light side of the force and dooku leaves the jedi and then becomes a sith and so it's a really interesting parallel i wish ahsoka's stories in this kind of followed a similar Mm -hmm. a more similar path like like that kind of highlighted their similarities, but also their differences. I thought that's kind of what this project was going to be. And then Ahsoka's kind of ended up just being random snapshots from her life that we hadn't seen before. But um, so I think Ezra and Luke are very similar in that they're literally like around the same age. Like they were both born at, at most like a day or two apart. Ezra was born on empire day, which is when the empire came to power, and Luke was born right around that time as well. Um, I think, I feel like Ezra is Luke if Luke got real training. (laughs) Um, Like, he gets trained with Obi-Wan for like a day, and then Obi-Wan dies, and then he gets trained with Yoda for like a week, and then he runs away. Um, So here's the stories that I would want to see. I would want to see... Ezra learning that his parents have been arrested and like kind of the start of his life on the street. Um, Ezra building his second lightsaber amidst kind of the, 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 the gap in between season two and season three where um, the start of season three kind of tells us that the group has kind of lost their rhythm with each other and kind of Kanan is kind of not being as good a master as he should be, and Ezra's kind of using that holocron, the Sith holocron. Um, And so building his second lightsaber, how he got the green one, I think would be a cool story. And then Ezra and Thrawn immediately post-Rebels. Like, not like a big story, but just like the immediate, like... What happens five minutes after that? Like, what what is that five? I minutes think like? you mean skeleton crew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so then for Luke, we're not letting go of that. Luke, I would want, um, Luke talking with the ghosts of Obi Wan, Yoda, mm-hmm. and Anakin at the funeral pyre of Darth Vader, and then Luke meeting Baby Ben Solo for the first time, oh. and then. Luke and like his arrival on Octo for his exile and like maybe as he's going there like Leia's asking him like Luke you need to come like a hologram kind of reminiscent of the help me Obi-Wan Kenobi you're our only hope or whatever and then maybe you do a similar thing where Leia's hologram is like Luke we need you to come back like you're our only and then he like shuts it off or something. And, Mm -hmm. like, doing that, I think, would be really cool. And then you get um, kind of a timeline of his descent. Like, starting with, um, obviously, like, the high point of defeating the Empire. Mm -hmm. Then going to what seems like a happy moment, but you know is going to have, like... Really bad consequences, and then seeing those consequences. Um, so, those who are who are some I would like to see. I would really like to see other obscure like prequel characters, like Uriel Poof, obviously, like my man Uriel Poof, Apo Sisis, <laughs> All these characters that have names but like no dialogue ever. Yeah. Uh, that I'd like to see stories of those guys. So. Sweet. Well, that is tales of the Jedi. That would be a full episode if this wasn't Halloween special. If we were Mad Men. So, So, welcome to Death Troopers. Death Troopers, written by Joe Schreiber, released in 2009. Now, this book is um, this book here. Uh, Here, I got it. This book follows members of the... Well, hang on. purge. Hang on. <laughs> purge. <laughs> so, this book is kind of the first Star Wars horror book. Um, and I believe, like, the reception... That was an ominous, like, wow. I believe, like, reception to it is pretty mixed. Like, some people love it, some people hate it. There was a quote-unquote prequel written called Red Harvest, which is essentially another Star Wars zombie horror book by the same guy, but it takes place during the Old Republic era, and it happens at, like, a Sith Academy. And so, I haven't read that one, but um, after Death Troopers, I do definitely want to read that. So, Mm -hmm. Death Troopers follows a book, or... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the book follows I'm usually in at this hour so <laughs> yeah Death the troopers. book follows m- yeah read it follows members of the Imperial prison ship purge as they suffer engine failure and stumble upon a drifting star destroyer called Vector important characters include <laughs> Zahara Cody who is the prison's medical officer uh, Trig and Kale Longo who were two brothers who are locked up together with their dad. And um, it is said that their father is dead and that the um, the instance in which he died was rather traumatic, but it's not outright said at the beginning. It's implied happened. that perhaps it was like prison gang related, I think. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Jareth Sartoris, who is an imperial uh captain on the uh, prison barge. He kind of is in a leadership position, but not. he's not like the guy. Um, there's Waste, who is a medical droid. I think like one of the ones that we kind of... You know what I mean? Like one of the two Bs or something, I think they're called? Yeah. But the ones that can kind of walk around, they talk in the deep voices. But, um... And then we have a bunch of small prisoner characters, including two uh, mystery figures in solitary confinement. There's a fellow named Ormiss, a u r m y s s, who um, hated his dad and hates the the Longo brothers um, and wants to kill them because he's a he's a bit of a gangbanger in that way. Um, and yeah, I think that's everyone. So this is not a complete synopsis. It is pretty uh pretty tightened. The book is pretty short though, so um that's one thing that was kind of surprising. Uh so two teams are sent to investigate Vector because life readings indicate only ten beings are aboard the entire Star Destroyer. So this is obviously after they've had mm-hmm. some engine failure. and uh, the two teams, upon return, uh, spread a disease very, very quickly throughout the ship, which wipes out all but six life forms. The survivors, um, Zahra, Cody, the prison medical officer, Trigon Longo, Jared Sartoris, seem to just be naturally immune. They don't have any of the symptoms, and people get it and die like all around them, but they seem to be immune. So there are... uh, And obviously, Waste, the droid, can't get a disease. So um, Zahara basically does a life scan reading and realizes there's only six people aboard, two of which... Are locked in solitary confinement. So her thought is maybe these two aren't um, immune. Maybe just because they're in solitary, they have been basically effectively quarantined from the virus. So while she and Waste go to seek uh, or go to solitary confinement, Trig and Kale escape their cell and look for an escape pod. Sartoris is also searching for a way off the ship and he ends up, I believe, like. Doesn't he murder, like, the warden of the prison or something? Yeah, he does. So, um, having proven herself to be immune, Zahara has developed a uh, a vaccine, basically, using her own kind of antibodies or whatever to the virus. So she goes down to solitary confinement, and uh, she discovers that... uh, The two prisoners in solitary confinement are a scruffy-looking smuggler and his Wookiee co-pilot, none other than the one and only Han Solo and Chewbacca, somehow, at some point in the Legends timeline, got locked in solitary confinement in an imperial prison. Um, She gives them both the vaccine... Uh, which Han at first is very embarrassingly anti-vax um, until <laughs> <laughs> until he he agrees to take it, and then Chewbacca, when given the vaccine, freaks out and like ha- has yeah, very bad consequences until they figure out how to uh, accurately and safely give him the vaccine so that it actually works instead of just kind of messing with his head. Um, I think Han at one point is like he's he basically says that like Wookiees need it a different way or something, like get the vaccine a different way or something. Mm-hmm. So until they do that, Han so or Chewbacca just kind of freaks out. Um so the uh Trig and Longo kind of have this traumatic escape from all these zombies that are after them um including one that uh is their father's corpse which is kind of frightening um (laughs) so all these survivors realize they have to leave the prison ship and go to uh, the vector if they want to survive because the prison ship is just overrun with all of there's a I think a line at one point where they basically go up from solitary confinement and they're like where are all the dead people because there were just dead people littering mm-hmm. the hallways and now there are no bodies and they're like yeah. what happened where is everyone so they all head to the vector Um. But Kale gets bit on the leg and uh, so Zahara stays with him to try and help him and sends Trig with Han and Chewie to find a ship to help them get off of the destroyer. She ends up amputating Kale's leg and the zombies are able to kind of think and use weapons and so as they're fleeing Kale is shot in the head and his head is I think it said, like, his head is blown in half or something. And yeah. uh, it's very graphic. He is obviously killed. Um, Kale really gets the short end of the stick. Bro, yeah, get shafted. He's like, you couldn't have shot me before. <laughs> I had to get amputated with no drugs. literally." <laughs> um, so, uh, eventually, Trig and Han and Chewie, as they're running... I believe like Han and Chewie are going to cross this bridge and Trig is like terrified of the height or something. And so he decides to stay on the other end. They leave him. Eventually he comes head to head with his zombified brother and, uh, he kicks him down like a shaft, like a mechanical shaft or something. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's when he kind of decides that like he needs to live and get out of this ship. Um, because Trink is not in a good mental space throughout most of this book. He's very, very, like, shut down. Um, there's a lot that we're kind of skipping over, just kind of giving the highlights. So mm-hmm. eventually, um, there go... He's kind of climbing through the rafters over, like, a swarm. It's a Star Destroyer, so they, are, they have thousands of crew. And so there are this huge swarm of zombies below him and uh, eventually he falls but Sartoris, who had also come across uh, come aboard the star destroyer, had found a ship with the survivors of the the like the 10 survivors that were on the vector, the 10 life signs that were um, that first made them go investigate um, have a ship and uh so he finds them. I didn't even put that together actually what <laughs> i did I didn't put it together that the ten life forms they found were the guys in the ship i <laughs> oh <laughs> so um, uh-huh. <laughs> so he agrees or he basically tells there's like he throws some of them to the zombies to save himself. And then there's another guy that I forget what it was. Something that he says, or like a look in his eye, convinces Sartorius to like spare him and let this kid survive. So he saves, um, he like takes a speeder, right? And he say, he catches trig out of the air before he hits the zombies Han and Chewie. Uh, he saves them too. And I think he gets Zahara. I would imagine because it, she survives. So um, they are speeding on the speeder to the ship, and the sp- speeder is too heavy. It's it's not staying completely in the air. It's kind of dropping down uh, as they're flying. So eventually, it will be. It'll crash in the middle of all the zombies. So Sartorius jumps out. sacrificing himself uh, so the others can survive. Zahara had discovered the virus was called Blackwing and it was likely an imperial experiment to develop a biological weapon. Um, Now what's interesting is that the zombies can't really, or don't really, go outside of a certain range from kind of the primary source of The virus. So once they get out of the ship, the virus kind of stays contained to where it was. Um, And so they leave uh, Han and Chewie or no, Han and Chewie and Trig and Zahara all survive. They're the only survivors of this incident. And so um, there's a little... Han Solo survived? Yeah, there's a little bit of an afterword where Trig and Zahara go to who, was it? uh I forget whose it, family it, it was. was. Was it? Was it Sartorius's family or? No, it was a, another sort of. I think it was one of her patients because, like, one thing, uh, Z- Zahara's coworkers kind of didn't like her because she was very like kind and like humanizing to the prisoner she treated. And so I believe it was, like, a prisoner who was, like, sick and, like, knew he was about to die that, like, scribbled a note and asked. Or maybe it was an Imperial who was sick. I forget. But uh, it could have been either, like, just someone who, um, it was, like, their last wish was that they Mm -hmm. give Zahara, return a note to his wife and family. Yeah. Yeah. So... How did this stack up with other Star Wars stories? Um Star Wars has had a little bit of horror in the past, um but not really to this extent. So what do you did you like this book? Did you think it yeah. was a terrible yeah, book? Yeah, I thought it was good. It definitely had some genuinely like scary um like, setups, I guess, like, like, there's a scene, without getting too graphic, where there's, like, a bunch of the, the bodies, some reanimated, some not, in like, a pile in a trash chute, and I think Trig has to, like, scale up them to, like, get to a vent at the top of the room, and it, and, like, hands are reaching out at him, so just, like, very over the top, like, just horrific um and i will say like this is the like this is the most horror star wars i've consumed Mm -hmm. and i would it would have been a near perfect book for me if not for han and chewbacca having (laughs) been in it which is kind of the curse of legends it's just like sometimes goofy stuff like that happens because literally i was like so into it i was like oh my gosh like bro, this is so mysterious, like, I knew it was zombies, but I was like, yo, this mystery, like, the suspense, this is good, and then when the- Zahara opens the solitary confinement, and it's like, Han Solo is like, I'm Han Solo, I'm like, bruh, no way, <laughs> it, it definitely, it it took me out of it a bit, you know, not that I don't like Han and Chewie, but I was like, are you for real right Yeah. Now? I think it... Because, and you pointed out something, too, when I... Because I texted you the minute I read it. I was like, bro, are you serious? You said something like, yeah, like, it kind of sucks because you know they're not going to die. And I'm like, yeah, so now I know that, like, they get out of it. Because, like, I love movies that end with, like, the heroes fail and everyone dies. I love that crap. And so, knowing Han and Chewbacca were going to survive was like, yeah, okay, like takes a little bit out of it yeah and it's also like it's not even advertised with like as a part of the book that it's like Han and Solo are on a or <laughs> Han and Solo baby Han and Chewie are on a prison ship that gets a zombie infection it's they're literally like a surprise and it's like well What? (laughs) It's like, okay. Now, I really, really liked the book still. um, But it was very much like... um, If these were two other characters, like, original characters, there would have been a lot higher stakes. Because already, like... Yeah, Trig and Kale and Zahara, they might not all make it but like Han and Chewie also aren't the main characters we spend most of the time with Zahara and Trig and Kale so it's like um we know like Mm -hmm. they're not the main characters so like other people are going to survive like I don't know it was very much like um this is super good, like it's super exactly like you said, intense, mysterious, scary, and then with Han and Chewie there, it's like, alright, well now there's like, uh, like it could Han's have been... humor, and yeah, I the only thing that like I it tried to picture like noodles. It, well, <laughs> I tried to picture like said Alden Ehrenreich's Han Solo rather than harrison fords and that that kind of helped a little bit because it was like it's kind of like a young han solo even though completely different timeline from solo but um Mm -hmm. yeah it it was just very much and like i had it spoiled for me that han and chewie were in it like shortly before i started reading it i saw that i had forgotten though and then when i read like because they did a Wookiee scene and then they go to A different scene and then it's like a Wookiee emerged from the solitary confinement cell. I was like, they did two Wookiee scenes in a row? Like two unrelated Wookiee scenes? And then it was Han and Chewie. I was like, oh, right. They're in this. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have liked it if they were original characters because then number one, more characters could have died besides um, just like the two main characters uh, Kale and um, Sartorius that died. Um, And Mm -hmm. so you could have had it more, I don't know, uh, not scarier, but you could have had more stakes. Um, But besides that, I really, really liked it. Um, Maybe not in my top 10 favorite Star Wars books I've ever read, but I really flew through it and was really entertained by it more than anything. Um, So I don't know how much other horror stuff you've consumed but how did this book kind of compare to other zombie stories or other horror stories outside of star wars that you've read i'd say like zombie stories in particular kind of vary like each zombie is different i personally i think like the the zombie world kind of built up Uh, And The Walking Dead is the best to me, and so I kind of base it off of that. And so I, like, I'm not a huge fan of the intelligent zombie thing, but I think this did it in a way, I guess, that made sense. Like, in the fact that, like, this was an Imperial experiment, the whole point was to make reanimated corpses that were capable of learning tasks to do, like, to use them, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I guess that makes sense, you know what I mean, um, and, uh, I also really enjoyed, um, because it's not something we typically get to see in zombie stories, uh, how the virus affected different Star Wars species differently, I thought it was pretty cool, like, Um, I think the biggest example of this is how it affects Wookiees. Like, it kind of causes them, like, even before they are reanimated, like, it causes them to go, like, feral, and, um, like, it mentioned, like, their throats swelled up until, like, they burst, which is not something that happened to the humans. Yeah. And then, like, also, I believe, like, when they're kind of traversing the ship before everything gets reanimated... And they're just describing some of the bodies around of like different species. It's like, it's different, you know. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it, I just think it's a cool idea. Um, yeah. But, well, and like the first, I, I definitely, yeah. The last thing I'll say is like, it was scary, but like it was a book, and so it, I never like really like I was like, ooh, that's scary. It wasn't very visceral in the way that, like, maybe a scary movie might be, mm-hmm. like, make your skin crawl, you know? Yeah. Um, the only book that has ever scared me was the first time I read World War Z, which is another zombie book and which is my favorite book of all time, probably. Um, but even then, it w- it's never, like, as you're reading it, you, like, jump while you're reading it. its It was, like, for that book, it was... Because it treats zombies as if, like, it, a zombie apocalypse was a real, actual, historical event that happened. And you read, like, eyewitness testimony from the zombie apocalypse or whatever. Mm-hmm. is the premise of World War Z. And so, because it was written so real, that's what kind of, like, freaks me out the first time I read it as, like, a freshman in high school or whatever. And so it would be like every time I was out in a crowd I would be like I've just read this situation. Um, but for this one it very much was like more of a pulpy zombie than like an actual like attempt at realism. Obviously it's Star Wars so they were like it's zombies yeah but it's like the fun kind of zombie rather than like the scary one. It, it was kind of grotesque in the way that like the difference between a thriller and a horror movie is that a horror movie comes to a catharsis usually involving like gore of some sort where a thriller is more about like the the ride I guess like it's not necessarily about the end result of the thrill as much as the thrill where horror is like it's thrilling, and then there's, like, the kill. So, I don't know. This was very much, mm-hmm. like... Um, and it, it was trying to be, like, gory and horror in that way. Uh, but it was still, like, fun. And, like, if you're a fan of zombies, like, you recognize the patterns of, like, the virus spreading and all that. Um, so, yeah, I liked it. I wouldn't call it my favorite zombie story, my favorite horror story, or my favorite Star Wars story, but for zombie horror, Star (laughs) Wars. sucked. But it was my favorite Star Wars zombie horror story, so. Um, Hey, so my second favorite, actually. (laughs) It's not my first favorite. (laughs) um, Is there a place for more genre mashups in Star Wars, be it horror or something else? We see this a lot in, like, the Clone Wars. There are some horror mashups. There's, like, a kaiju, uh, (laughs) there's a few kaiju, actually, there's, um, Star Wars romance books, there's Star Wars comedy stuff, so, like, do you, do you like when Star Wars does this, or, oh yeah, and I, I actually like, that you mentioned, the kaiju thing, because, the Zillow Beast arc ends, with this huge cliffhanger that seems really important of Chancellor Palpatine telling the Doctor to um, clone the Zillow Beast. And then nothing. Still radio silence. No I am that front. I am hoping that the <laughs> Zillow Beast was cloned inside Mount Tantis that we saw at the end of... Um... Mm-hmm. Uh... Bad Batch. So I hope they do this... I I would hope they bring yeah. the Zillow Beast back in uh, Bad Batch. Yeah. And when we get to... When we do ARC Troopers and we get to Zillow Beast, we're going to cover that again <laughs> because that is important for the people to know. Yes. So... But, um, Yeah, I like the genre mashups. I think it keeps it fresh. And it's also like... Star Wars was inspired by so many different things. Samurai movies pulpy sci-fi movies um like fighter pilot movies westerns and so i think especially when you look at like the clone wars and like the books there's a lot more room for the creators to tap into those influences and then make star wars into whatever it was that was influencing them um yeah so yeah, that's that's Death Troopers, kind of short and sweet, like the book. Um, maybe next year we'll do the prequel book, the Red Harvest book. But um, was there any final thoughts you had about Death Troopers? Would you recommend? What would you uh, kind of? How would you kind of rate it? What would you would you recommend it? Um, I would recommend it. It is like horror is not for everyone, and so like if you're not. If you're not a fan of the genre, I don't think there's like there's enough in there maybe to entice you to read it, unless you just love Han Solo and Chewbacca, <laughs> I guess. But like, I know I'm I like I I like horror, but I also get easily scared at like horror movies mm-hmm. and stuff, so I don't dabble too much. Um, but I found this book fine like I said to read so like if maybe you're feeling a bit squeamish about it I would just read a little bit Mm. and see what you think but uh I I would definitely recommend it from a quality standpoint it was a good enough book I I typically read books really slow I read this relative I'm actually impressed like I finished it in time (laughs) for us to do this Halloween episode so I I must have enjoyed it because I read it very quickly yeah I really liked it as well um I would recommend it especially to people that like maybe not as their first Star Wars book but if people really want to see like the range of what Star Wars books can offer I think you point this one out and say like Mm -hmm. well hey if you like this you'll probably like a lot of a lot of Star Wars stuff because they're not all like this but they all kind of They can all tap into weird things that you are not expecting. Yeah, so I thought we would round out the episode with a couple just spooky Star Wars questions. So, scariest Star Wars monster. Okay, I'm going first. Sure. So... The thing, I think, more than any other thing that I'm most terrified of the world is the ocean. I don't like the vastness of it. I don't like the depth of it, the darkness of it, and the fact that things live inside of it. Subnautica is the scariest thing I've ever experienced. (laughs) I bought it. I bought Subnautica full price, played it for 30 minutes, and I had to tap out. It was a lot for me. (laughs) So the Sando Aqua Monster <laughs> might be the most horrific thing I've ever seen. If you know what I'm talking about, it's from the Phantom Menace. It kills um, the OPC Killer in the Colo Clawfish, I believe. Yeah, and it's like a massive. I don't even know. It's kind of like eelish, but like with arms, and it's jacked, and it's ma- it's massive. It's yeah. so colossal. Um, and the fact that it lives in fresh water doesn't help. So, <laughs> that makes it more scary to me because it could be anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I see like a tiny little creek and I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> the, the sandal aqua monster mm. that's 80 feet tall could be in there. I think. But yeah. The scariest one for me. Well, the. Although- I I think the first time I watched Empire Strikes Back, the Wampa Jump Scare got me. Um, I really like the Wampa as a creature. I'm surprised it hasn't been like used a lot more uh, in other stuff. Like, I think the only other time that we see... That would be a, a good w- Star Wars genre mashup. of It's like The Thing, but with a Wampa. <laughs> well, so if you go on Disney Plus and you watch the deleted scenes of Empire Strikes Back, they originally had this whole thing where, like, Wampa, like, a Wampa had gotten into the Rebel base and they had locked it into um, this room and then basically, like, put a note on the door that said, like, don't enter, there's a Wampa. And so in this deleted scene, there's, like, a bunch of random, like... Shots, but if you were to compile them all into a scene, basically, as the stormtroopers are raiding the base, C3PO is running and he passes this door and he doubles back and he takes the note off the door and then runs away again. And then the stormtroopers come by and the door opens and the Wampa grabs them and like pulls them into the room. (laughs) <laughs> and iconic yeah random but... a little bit of muppets humor for you <laughs> yeah. basically yeah yeah uh no i really like the wampa uh we see him in empire and then i think the only place they show up on screen again i'm not sure if they show up in books ever but is on in the clone wars the trandoshan arc where they capture ahsoka in the trophy room there's like a wampa skin um but yeah, I like the Wampa. The Wampa jump scare got me as a kid. Um, mm-hmm. Scariest Star Wars character. I'll start with this one. Um, okay. Mother Towson was freaky. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, Just like the voice, like she's a witch, all the magic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then just like how she shows up again as, like, a ghost, kind of, um, later on in the Clone Wars. Or, or maybe yeah. it's in a comic or something. But, yeah. But let me just She's tell just you She's just kind of creepy and freaky and weird. Because I was going to say Mother Talzin, too. Let me submit this to the conversation. The episode of the Clone Wars where, like, Ahsoka is having visions of Padme being assassinated. Yeah, what by we're saying in that is actually pretty scary too. Like in that like that, that is like very well crafted to make like you could do a Star Wars episode very easily and make it in a way that's not scary, but they made it like a little creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> in like a not so obvious way. Like it's not like horror or anything, but it's just like off putting, like unsettling type of yeah. creepy. I would uh, say all of the characters on cool. Mortis <laughs> as well. <laughs> They're all oh yeah, there is weird. just like something very uncanny, very yeah. weird about them, yeah. Um, scariest okay. Star Wars moment, scene, episode, something You know, along those lines. I think we may have mentioned it, but the goat has got to be, uh, and I feel like, I feel bad for kind of pulling so heavily from the Clone Wars. Um, it is, it's the most expansive, I think. Yeah, the most expansive in terms of like range of genre, um, but like the the droid arc was terrifying. <laughs> the droid arc? No, I, n- yeah. I was gonna say existential <laughs> horror—the one where they're stuck on the barren yeah. planet. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, the the Genosian brain snatchers arc uh, was always a favorite of mine. As a kid, especially because, like, as a little kid, I thought that was the scariest thing ever. (laughs) Um, Like, I would, like, dread watching it. Like, there was, like, the one where they're down in the catacomb. That one scared me. And then, like, when it gets onto their ship, that freaked me out, too. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Again, the Wampa Jump Scare got me as a kid. The Rancor Pit, I think... As well is kind of scary at some points. Um, oh, well, actually, let me add something as well. The A bit of a newer... The crate Dragon also wouldn't want to meet that guy yeah. in a dark alley. <laughs> He's pretty scary, too. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's... Anything... I mean the Rise of Skywalker opening is kind of scary, like with Palpatine and like when Kylo goes to Exegol. Mm-hmm. That's pretty scary. Um Yeah. Let's see. There's the Frankenstein lab and there's the, the yeah. lightning and the thunder. Yeah. Um I'm Trying to think try to think but nothing happens yeah well yeah there's um the like the spiders in the mandalorian um oh the um, inside the sarlacc at the beginning of the book of boba fett it's not like scary but it is kind of like claustrophobic and like kind of gross out a little bit where he's in there and then he eventually fights his way out but yeah mm-hmm I think another scary thing for me is like rogue one like just like in on both Jetta and at the end on scarif like after the death Star shoots and there's just this wave of destruction and you just know oh yeah on Jedi that that's scene, pretty yeah. that's pretty scary to me yeah it's not like me- meant to be scary in the movie necessarily but just like putting myself in that situation in real life i couldn't think of anything scarier than just seeing a wall of death like bigger than you could comprehend coming towards you Yeah, <laughs> and you know like there's nothing I'm, I'm this is how i die right now <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well that has been the lando's lounge <clears throat> 2022 halloween special a marathon you could this could be your commute listen for two whole weeks i think maybe um but i hope i hope everyone enjoyed um you can listen to us on spotify apple podcasts all other podcast places and hopefully uh youtube you can follow us on instagram at landos lounge podcast that's kind of the only place we're at right now maybe more in the future but for now just instagram and uh Seattle, am I right? <laughs> yeah, we'll see you in the next episode of Lando's Lounge. Thanks for watching slash listening. Uh, bye. Happy your... Spookaween! Happy Halloween, you old pirate! <laughs>